Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Clam comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's December 9th. The Cretan Autonomous State was established on this day in 1898 under the old-style Julian calendar. That was December 21st under the Gregorian calendar. This followed a lengthy occupation of the island of Crete by the Ottoman Empire. Back during the Fourth Crusade, Crete had been sold to Venice, but the predominantly Greek population largely objected to this, and the Venetians weren't all that benevolent when it came to the Greek population. So the Ottoman Empire concluded that Crete might welcome them as liberators, and fight with them against Venice. So to that end, the Ottomans invaded Crete in 1645. Venice, though, was determined to stay in control, and this led to a lengthy standoff and a 22-year siege of the city of Candia before Venice finally ceded the island of Crete to the Ottomans on September 6th of 1669. Fast forward more than 200 years to 1896, at which point the Ottoman Empire is starting to wane, and numerous other international powers have a vested interest in making sure that warfare doesn't start in the wake of this power vacuum. This included Russia, France, Italy, Great Britain, Germany, and Austria, Hungary. All of them had a vested interest in what was happening on Crete. 
This international team finally convinced the Ottoman Empire to reform the government of Crete and to place a Christian governor and a European commission that would oversee things like police and the courts. But at this point, Crete's population included both Christians and Muslims. And while the Christians were delighted at the idea of having a Christian government in charge, the Muslims were not. This led to ongoing religiously motivated violence as international powers tried and failed to put Crete under local control. The great powers had taken for granted that the Ottoman Empire would ultimately leave Crete, but it wasn't exactly clear to anyone when or how that would happen. Ultimately, there were only four nations who still were actively involved in Crete at this point. That was Russia, France, Italy, and Great Britain. They divided up the island and placed forces in each of these four quadrants that they created, and they started searching for a high commissioner who would take over the island, and that search started in the spring of 1898. Perhaps unsurprisingly, this led to huge amounts of unrest, with local residents objecting to various aspects of the rule that they were under, and this ended up in what was known as the Candiot Massacre, which started on August 25th, 1898, under the Julian calendar, or September 6th, under the Gregorian calendar, and we talked about that on this show on September 6th, which is also why some of what we've talked about might sound a little familiar As many as 800 Christians on Crete were killed in this massacre. In the aftermath of the massacre, the British authorities tried to restore order, tried to bring the perpetrators to justice, and they became increasingly impatient and frustrated with the Ottoman forces that were still on the island. The international powers finally ordered the Ottoman forces to withdraw entirely, although the last of their force were not removed until November 6th. That same month, Russia, France, Italy, and Great Britain finally agreed on a high commissioner to take over Crete, and that was Prince George of Greece and Denmark. This was a three-year renewable term for him to act as high commissioner. He arrived on December 9th under the Julian calendar, and that's what marked the beginning of the Cretan Autonomous State. The other forces started to withdraw after the high commissioner arrived, and while this did, at least in name, create an autonomous state of Crete, it also started the process of Crete becoming increasingly connected to Greece before finally becoming part of the nation of Greece in 1913. One note about our next week of episodes, Christopher Hasiotis, whose name you have heard as a researcher on this show before, will be filling in for me as a guest host. This is going to make sure we still have podcasts over the holidays. Thanks to Eves Jeffcoat for her research work on today's show, and thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a massive and unsolved heist. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. 
It, it would have been, Ooh, it been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast where we one day ship nugs of history straight to your brain through your ear hole. 
The day was December 9, 1979. Members of the Global Commission for the Certification of Smallpox Eradication signed a statement that declared that smallpox had been eradicated worldwide and that the return of the virus was unlikely. Smallpox, a disease caused by the variola virus, has been around for at least 3,000 years, though its origin is unknown. The disease was fatal for about three in every 10 people who contracted it. People who had smallpox got fevers, body aches, rashes, sores, and scabs. And it was contagious, spread through person-to-person contact and saliva. At first, variolation was used to control the spread of smallpox. Variolation was a method of immunization where patients would be purposefully exposed to the material from smallpox pustules, so they developed symptoms of smallpox. These patients would develop a mild form of the disease and were less likely to die than those who contracted smallpox naturally. But in the 1790s, English doctor Edward Jenner realized that vaccination could prevent people from getting smallpox. At first, cowpox was used to make the smallpox vaccine, but in later years, the vaccinia virus was used to create the vaccine. By the 20th century, the smallpox vaccine had become widely available. Vaccination against smallpox became mandatory in many places around the world, and cases of smallpox declined. But smallpox remained one of the main causes of death due to infectious disease. In the 1950s, there were around 50 million cases of the disease every year. When eradication of the disease was discussed at the World Health Assembly in 1953, there was little confidence that the effort would succeed, since attempts to eradicate other diseases had failed. But Soviet epidemiologist Viktor Shadunov was convinced that freeze-dried smallpox vaccines could be the answer to an effective eradication program. World Health Organization member states voted to start a global smallpox eradication campaign at the World Health Assembly in 1959. Vaccination campaigns in some countries were successful in eliminating the disease, but the global campaign was hindered by lack of funds, lack of personnel, limited commitment from countries, and a shortage of vaccine donations. Smallpox continued to kill thousands of people in other countries, like India, Indonesia, and countries in sub-Saharan Africa. So in 1967, the World Health Organization launched the Intensified Smallpox Eradication Program, which provided technical assistance to countries' eradication campaigns. This program was more successful thanks to mass vaccination campaigns, the establishment of a surveillance system to investigate cases, and the development of the bifurcated needle. The last known natural case of smallpox was in Somalia in 1977. Hospital cook Ali Mao Malin, who worked in the smallpox eradication program in Somalia, was exposed to the disease while he was in a vehicle with two children who had smallpox. He recovered and later died in 2013 of malaria. After Ali Mao Malin's case, a lab accident in England that caused a minor outbreak triggered the last known instances of smallpox. Janet Parker was the last person to die of smallpox in 1978. On December 9, 1979, members of the Global Commission for Certification of Smallpox Eradication certified that smallpox had been eradicated. And in May of 1980, the World Health Assembly 
acting on the recommendation of the Global Commission, announced that worldwide eradication had been achieved and that only people working with orthopox virus in research labs could use the smallpox vaccination. After the disease was declared eradicated, the stocks of the virus that remained were destroyed or sent to one of two labs, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta and the State Research Center of Virology and Biotechnology Vector in Russia. Debate later arose over whether the remaining lab stocks of variola virus should be destroyed. The World Health Organization recommended destroying it, but stocks of the virus still exist. Smallpox is the only infectious disease affecting humans that has been eradicated. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Have a hard time staying present as you mindlessly scroll through social media? Lucky for you, we're stuck in the past. At T-D-I-H-C podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or if you are so inclined, you can send us a message at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening. Merry history to all and to all a good night. Thank you, Mansfield and Columbus, for welcoming Revision LASIK and Cataract Surgery into your community for so many years. Hi, I'm Dr. Schumer. Over the past 30 years in Mansfield and 25 years in Columbus, we have had the pleasure of getting to know you and the privilege of helping you achieve the best vision. Revision will continue this longstanding tradition for many years to come. Visit revisioneyes.com. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.